0: The first word of Advent is uh, is waiting. It may be my worst word, waiting. Sometimes it's easier to describe it than it is to define it. Uh, there was a young man, and, and he said the most traumatic seven minutes of his life he can only remember in Pictures, not the whole thing. He has a picture of flying and all of a sudden his wingman's airplane malfunctions and shoots him down. And as he starts to spiral toward the earth, his aviator ejects and then his own ejection seat explodes so forcefully knocking him from the plane that he breaks his back. And parachutes down into the middle of an enemy village. And he lands so hard that he not only breaks his leg, he dislocates his knee. And because he doesn't get treated, the knee joint fuses. And the rest of his life, he walks with a painful limp. The the knee makes it impossible for him to run away. The villagers come up and they capture him and they beat him and they take him through the streets to the capital. Where he is locked in irons. On his legs inside a bath stall. And he's tortured and beaten. His captors want to parade him in public for propaganda. And so instead, he slits his own scalp with a razor to disfigure himself so that he can't be seen as well treated. His captors cover his head with a hat and he beats himself in the face with a stool. To show the beatings that are underneath his clothes. Until it's almost beyond recognition. And he sits there and he waits. And finally Christmas comes. And Christmas goes. And Christmas comes. And they start to beat him more. And then Christmas goes. And they ignore him. And Christmas comes a third time. And he hears... Through the grapevine, that uh, that peace talks are underway. That his president is anxious to end the war before the end of his term, and he'll do anything to end the war. And so many of the prisoners babble with hope, and and then the election comes, and then Christmas comes again, and he sits in silence, and he waits. Well, you know, I, this morning I had to wait almost seven minutes for my mocha. We all have to wait, don't we? Not, not like that. We're not in prison camps, but uh, we all live lives where we know that something is missing. Something's off, and if something would change, then it would be good. We're waiting for that something that's missing to change. Some of you are still in school. And, uh, and you're waiting, you're wondering if you'll ever get in that crowd where people really like you, where well, you're really on the inside. You're wondering if you'll ever be at a time where you don't have to worry about your grades. Over and over, you're just waiting. Or you're a little older, and you wonder if you'll ever meet somebody. Or if that's happened once and it didn't work, you... You wonder if you'll ever meet somebody again and have love that will change your life. Some of you have been waiting for months or even years for a job. You've been looking hard. Some of you are some of you are working for a paycheck but it's not the job you want, it's not the job you had. You just you don't know what will happen. Some of you here are waiting for a child. You see all these kids at the children's sermon, you look at all these pregnant women, and whether it's you or your child or someone that you love, it would be different. And some of you have a child, and you're waiting for that time where the kid won't break your heart or break their hearts. You know, some of you are sitting here and you're waiting. You come here and you wait. You wish for the kind of faith that they talk about up here, right? You wish you had that kind of faith. Where these people believe in God, that they trust in Jesus, and they feel close to God. And you go, how come I don't feel like that? What's what's wrong with my faith? I have all these questions and these doubts and I'm afraid to tell people. When will I ever feel God's presence? Some of you are in the middle of treatment of one kind or another physically. And it feels like it's never going to end and you're not sure that it will turn out right. And if it's somebody that you love, that's almost worse, isn't it? Because you can't do anything. And, and some of you have heard there's nothing more we can do. And you're just waiting. And whenever you turn on the TV, it gets worse because you turn on the TV and all of a sudden you wait because you want to look like that. You want to have that kind of security or that kind of thing, you're waiting for, finish the sentence. You get the idea. All of us spend our life waiting. Some of us, waiting takes the place of our life. Some of you are waiting for life in the place of a life that God wants you to have now. That's why the first voice of Advent talks about waiting. It's Frankly, it's not a very popular voice, it's, it's one of the prophets of the Old Testament. One of my professors said, nobody ever invited a prophet back for dinner. <laughs> they may get one time, but nobody ever invited them back for a second time. How's it going? I say, oh, doom and gloom, it's literally going to hell in a handbasket. You're a big part of the problem, you don't trust God. Oh, thank you, would you like some green beans? Nobody invited a prophet back because he talks so much about judgment. But buried in all that, the voice of the prophet talks about waiting. Waiting for hope in a day that will come. Isaiah says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deepest darkness, a light has dawned. The waiting is over. You've enlarged the nations, increased their joy. They rejoice like people at the harvest, like soldiers rejoice when they've won the battle. It's like in the day of Midian's defeat, God, you've shattered the yoke that enslaves us. The bar across the shoulders, the rod of the oppressor. Every warrior's gear that's used in battle is soaked in blood and you throw it in the fire. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David, he orders his kingdom to establish judgment and justice forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Hang on. Isaiah writes that. And then Israel goes... Into exile. Isaiah writes about hope and Israel is conquered. Isaiah writes about the Messiah that will come and Israel lives and is an occupied land. Isaiah, you see, he lived and he prophesied 500 years at least before Jesus comes along. 500 years. It's like twice as long as the United States has been a country. Oh, trust me, there will be a land where law will be the rule. It's as if Isaiah is like Christopher Columbus describing the launch of the space shuttle. He gets to the new world and he sees this flame go up into the sky. Can anybody really believe that that won't happen for 500 years? That's waiting. Some of you are wasting your lives waiting because you're waiting the wrong way. Advent teaches us how to wait. The man who was taken aside and turned into a prisoner was Jim Stockdale, a Navy pilot. And he was interviewed for a book one time on business and and he was asked, well, who did not make it out of Vietnam? And Stockdale replies, oh, that's easy. The people that didn't make it out of captivity, they were the optimists. You see, the optimists were the ones who said, we're going to get out by Christmas. And then Christmas would come and Christmas would go. Then they'd say, well, we're going to be out by Easter and Easter would come and Easter would go and then Thanksgiving and then it'd be Christmas again and the optimists would die of a broken heart. The first voice of Advent is Isaiah's. Waiting only makes sense if we're putting our hope in the right thing. If we wait for the wrong thing or the wrong time, then we lose our hope. The Jews waited century after century for a king who would come and kill all their enemies. God apparently had something different in mind for the whole world. Isaiah describes that in another part. He says, the king that will come is a servant king. The king will come for everybody, not just the Jews, the king... The king will suffer. Who understands that? That's what Heather was having the choir sing about. That picture that we ended with was the picture of the wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard will live with the goat. The calf and the lion and the deer will all sit together. And a little child will lead them. For unto us a son is born. A child is given. Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, would you recognize hope if it showed up? This morning, some of you sit in the shadows deeper than the fog you had to drive through to get here. And you wait for somebody to get better who may not get better. Do you need to ask for help while you wait? And if you do... If you do, wait for the light, who would you ask? If you're confused, would you ask for the wonderful counselor? If you're exhausted, could you ask for the mighty God? If you're just relationally, emotionally torn apart, could you ask the Prince of Peace to come with your troubles? Admiral Stockdale ends up as an admiral. He talks about what's called the Stockdale Paradox. He discovered it in Vietnam's prisons. He said, this is a very important lesson. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, that is, hope you can never afford to lose, you can never confuse that with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. Face the truth. This is not the optimist club. But over seven years after he is thrown into prison, Stockdale is released and wins the Congressional Medal of Honor. His hope is fulfilled and his faith is unbroken and it is not because he got out of jail. It's because he had waited with his hope in the right place, how many of you? Uh, how many of you went to Thanksgiving dinner? How many of you had a good Thanksgiving meal? We uh, we have a tradition with our clan. We gather together twenty or thirty of us and bring in friends. Anybody who just wants a good meal. And uh, just like many of you, our tradition is that at Thanksgiving, we go around the table and we say, everybody think of one thing that you're thankful for. And the kids, they groan and they squirm and they hate it. But they do it because they know that there's no food until they do. And, and, and uh, it's a great time. We didn't do that this year. We were down in Chicago. There were 31 of us from 9 to 83 And uh, one of our guests was our good friend, Lee. Lee is Laura's age, and she has just a terrible cancer that has taken her and shrunk her down so that we didn't even know if she could come. But she came, and just before dinner, we, uh, we sat in a circle around her, and we anointed her with oil, and the kids prayed for her, and the grandparents prayed for her and the family sat on the couch and they just wept. And after 15 or 20 minutes of prayer we turned to the table and we thank God. And now now we're waiting. And so is Lee. Whether for life or death and life eternal we don't know but she does not wait alone. She waits with us. And she waits with the God of hope. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you that you ended your life at this table so we can keep our lives going at this table. We wait for circumstances to change, but you want you want us to change. So, you give us the bread like you did that last night, and you break it and you say, This is my body broken for you. I'm here. And you take the cup and, and you pour it out and say, This is the blood of my love for you that forgives you and, and brings you to life. Lord, as we bring our hearts to this table, we come with our doubts and our fears and our pain, and our joy, and our dreams, and our hopes. And we ask you, this Advent, wait with us. Be the wonderful counselor when we're confused, and the prince of peace when we're torn apart. And the great Father who loves us all the days of our life.